It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello, friends. Never let it be said of us that we don't know what we believe or we don't believe what we know. In this episode, we are addressing the question, does evil disprove God? The answer is no. Let's see why. Theism can offer many arguments for the existence of God. Thomas Aquinas has his five ways. Peter Kreeft and Ronald Tuchelli list 20. Kenneth Boa and Robert Bowman Jr. proposed 20, Alvin Plantinga offers 21, and Ed Fazer expounds on five. And I've given an argument that builds on the Kalam argument that the first cause of the beginning of the universe is identical with the God of the Bible. Some atheists have attempted to give what they think is a disproof of God. I have addressed a few of those attempts, including Dawkins' central argument in his book, The God Delusion. In the last episode of Defending and Commending the Faith, I finished my rebuttal of Richard Dawkins' central argument. I've shown his argument fails as a support for atheism, fails as a denial of God's existence, and fails as a refutation of the modern version of the design argument for the universe that invokes fine-tuning of the physical constants. Ultimately, design arguments imply an intelligent designer. Generally, what atheists attempt is not arguments against the existence of God, but offer only objections to the theistic arguments for the existence of God. At first, they may build a challenging case that looks and sounds formidable, but upon careful analysis, they all fall down like a house of cards in a windstorm. The atheist, unable to present any positive disproof of God's existence, is generally forced to attempt to find flaws in the theist's arguments. There is, nevertheless, one notable exception to this state of affairs, the so-called problem of evil. The question of how to reconcile the existence of evil with the existence of a perfectly good, all-powerful, and all-knowing God. This is one of the oldest and most emotionally powerful arguments for the atheism. Hans Kung, a Swiss Catholic priest, theologian, author, and the theological advisor during the Second Vatican Council, calls this objection the rock of atheism. According to some historians, 
This objection goes all the way back to the 5th century philosopher Epicurus. Hardly a more profound statement of the problem of evil can be found than that of the quotation of Epicurus given by the philosopher David Hume. Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence come the evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? Questions about suffering immediately arise. Why does God allow his creation to undergo such intense pain and suffering? Why would an all-good, all-knowing, all-powerful God permit serial killers, terrorists, pandemics, disease, starvation, tsunamis, tornadoes, and floods? Does the reality of evil and suffering prove that there is no such God as theists claim? Philosophers and theologians call these questions the problem of evil. If God does exist, how can he be justified or vindicated in light of all the evil in the world? The problem becomes what is called a theodicy, which means literally the justification of God in view of evil. Let's see if we can untangle a few of these ideas. One way to answer the problem of evil is by dividing the problem into three sub-problems. The logical slash intellectual problem of evil, the evidential problem of evil, and the emotional problem of evil. When someone says that evil and suffering in the world show there is no God, you should inquire if he is struggling with a personal problem or is it an intellectual problem? Is he suffering pain and evil himself? Or does someone he knows and loves have this problem? If he says yes, then we have an emotional problem. A strictly intellectual discussion is not what is needed here. This person needs hope, comfort, compassion, encouragement, and sympathy. But if evil represents an intellectual puzzle that the person wants answered, then you need to identify if, in their mind, evil makes the existence of God impossible or it makes his existence unlikely. Among philosophers, the first claim is called the logical problem of evil, while the second is called the evidential problem of evil. Traditionally, people recognize two types of evil. The first is moral evil, caused by humanity through rebellion against God and or by cruelty to other human beings. The innocent suffer because of various reasons. Hatred, for example, war. Overindulgence, for example, a drunk driver kills an innocent family. And greed, for example, many people starving to death while others hoard surpluses. The second type of evil is natural evil, a result of natural phenomena inflicted on the innocent. Examples include earthquakes, 
tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, pandemics, plagues, and other diseases and disasters. How do we account for the presence of these two classes of evil? And is there an answer for the dilemma it presents? How to reconcile the evil when God has baffled humanity for centuries? There are various attempts for an answer. But an examination of this problem reveals only three major alternatives. One, evil exists, God doesn't. This is the atheistic alternative. Two, God exists, evil doesn't. This is the pantheistic alternative. And three, God and evil both exist. This is the theistic alternative. Let's consider the first alternative, no God. Evil exists and God doesn't. That's the atheist position. The atheist solves the problem of evil by eliminating God. Evil and suffering are taken as givens, but the existence of God is not. Many people, like Epicurus, David Hume, H.G. Wells, Bertrand Russell, Sigmund Freud, J.L. Mackey, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Daniel Dennett, Sam Harris, Victor Stinger, Lawrence Krauss, Neil deGrasse Tyson et al. have all concluded on the basis of their observations of evil and suffering that the God of the Bible does not exist. This is one of the classic objections to theism. You need to ask, does the atheist claim, as Epicurus did, that the existence of God is logically incompatible with the existence of evil and suffering in the world. If so, then the atheist is claiming that the following two statements are logically inconsistent. That is, they are contradictory. First, an all-good and omnipotent God exists. Second, evil exists. I leave out the all-knowing attribute of God because it makes the argument a little easier to remember. And these are the two attributes that Epicurus uses. Are these two statements logically inconsistent? Obviously, there's no explicit contradiction between them. One statement is not the negation of the other. So the atheist must think there is some hidden implicit contradiction between them. Therefore, he must presuppose some hidden assumptions that would serve to bring out the contradiction and make it explicit. So what are those hidden assumptions? Using arguments like those of Epicurus, Hume, and Mackey, some atheists have proposed these two assumptions. Third, if God is omnipotent, he can destroy evil. And fourth, if God is all good, he wants to destroy evil. The argument here is that by the combination of three and four, God can and wants to eliminate evil in the world. But by two, evil is not destroyed. So atheists form an argument with those four premises and this conclusion.
There is no all-good, omnipotent God. First response to this argument. There are three conclusions, not just one. Even if I grant that there is a contradiction in the four premises, then the conclusion should be broader. If I negate the conclusion, then there are three possible consequences. Either God does not exist, or he exists, but he is not all good, or God exists, but he is not omnipotent. The atheist has jumped to the conclusion of taking only one of the three possibilities, thus eliminating the other two, without giving any evidence for that move. Second response. Evil is not yet destroyed. As it stands, the argument is flawed because it does not clarify when evil is to be destroyed. The atheist has assumed that premise two implies that evil would have been destroyed by now in the age of human history if God were capable or wanted to. Why should anyone expect that? It is certainly contrary to what the Bible reveals. In other words, premise two should say evil is not yet destroyed. If the argument is restricted to the period of human history, I am not convinced, even then, that premises three and four are necessarily true. Why? Well, I'll try to answer. Premise three says if God is omnipotent, he can destroy evil. But my reply is that God can't destroy evil if it's possible that people have free will. It is logically impossible to make someone do something freely. If people have free will, they may refuse to do what God desires. Moreover, God may not destroy evil now in human history, because if he did so, he would have to destroy every human being since evil lurks in all our hearts. This can be found in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, chapter 5, verse 12, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is desperately wicked. The atheists do not want to acknowledge that the heart of man is evil. I will continue to grapple with the problem of evil in the next episode. In the meantime, exercise daily. Walk with God. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address. Doug Apple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.